You know, when pastors get together, we can get a little wordy, uh, in case you didn't know that. You may have seen my Facebook post last night, which Carrie didn't believe that uh, I talked to all my Facebook friends, or I know all my Facebook friends. Yes. And she was shocked, and then she said, well, you know what, the moral of the story was that I just talked to everybody. So, uh, But I'm not alone. When pastors get together, we have a tendency to talk, and there was once a group of four pastors that were in a cafe talking, uh, and they were in deep discussion about the subject of prayer. Uh, they were really wanting to know how they could dig into prayer, what the best things for prayer were, and the topic turned to the best position for prayer. What is the best position to be in in order to pray? And the first pastor said, oh, the absolute best position is a pew in a quiet church. I go there and it's just God is talking to me. It is just the perfect place to pray. Second pastor said, well, you know, James in the Bible was known as old Camelies because he knelt to pray. So I have a feeling if James, you know, a relative of Jesus, knelt to pray, maybe we should kneel to pray. That might, that might do something better for us. And there's a third pastor. He said, no, 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 no. The best prayer is prostrate on the ground in front of God with the knowledge of my unworthiness because God just speaks to me and I understand. And the fourth guy says, no, 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 no. With my hands raised to heaven in recognition of what all He has given to me. Oh, it is the most wonderful, powerful prayer you could ever pray. Well, there just happened to be a phone repair guy, a lineman out there, listening to the whole thing. And he stopped us at the door and he said, By the way, guys, I thought I should let you know the best prayer I ever prayed when I was hanging upside down from a telephone pole. <laughs> I believe probably the best prayer that Jonah ever prayed is the one recorded in chapter 2. It's the prayer that led him back to God. You know, last week we began our series in Jonah, a whale of a tale. Um, and there we saw Jonah have to make a decision. Was he going to follow God or not follow God? And of course he didn't. He didn't follow God. He, he took off running in the opposite direction and and God had provided a, a fish, a whale, or whatever you want to call it, to gobble him up uh, as he was thrown off the boat. And we find that experience for Jonah in the second chapter. And it starts there in verse 1. It says, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The waters engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its prison bars closed behind me forever. But you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. 
Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel for the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Chapter 2 starts with a statement of fact. There's, there's not a huge theological truth there. It's just simply that Jonah prayed to God from inside the fish. That's where he is. And the key here is not to focus on the fish. So many people want to look at the book of Jonah and tear it apart and try to decide what kind of fish it is or whatever else, but the focus here isn't the fish. The focus is the storm going on in Jonah. The focus is what he's going through. This, this verse reminds us simply of where Jonah was and why he was there. Jonah was in the belly of the fish because of his own decisions. He was in the belly of the because he had decided not to follow God. That's where he was. It wasn't because, oh, well, you know, he just accidentally tripped one day and fell into the belly of the fish. God gave him an assignment. He took off running. God found him. He said, well, just throw me overboard. I'd rather die. And guess what? God said, I'm not done with you yet. He was there by his own doing. The worst day of his life, probably. Probably, you would call that rock bottom. And it was his fault. In the darkness. In the fish. Just sitting there. But verse 1 says, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from inside the fish. Verse 1 may be the most helpful verse in the Bible because it tells us a couple of things. And the first one is that no matter where you find yourself, you can call on God. No matter where you are, you can call on God. It doesn't matter how far you've sunk. Jonah can't get much lower. He's in the belly of a whale in the ocean. There's not much lower than that doesn't matter what, what you've been going through. It doesn't matter what location you find yourself in. You can call upon God. Remember the prodigal son? He was in a place he didn't want to be. He was so hungry, he wanted to eat food for the pigs. You ever slop the pig? It's not nice. It's not pretty. I wouldn't eat it. But he was hungry. He wants to eat it. That's how low he was, but he could even call upon God. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter how you got there. You can call on God. No matter where you are, you can call on God. But it also shows us that even if our situation is our fault, we can call on God. There's this danger we have for some reason in churches today, in our Christian lives, that we think, well, I've just, I've overstepped the bounds. I've done too much. God shouldn't forgive me for this because I brought this on myself. You're right, He shouldn't. But He does. I mean, Jonah was there because he put himself there. He was there because he made choices, because he decided he was going to go against God. He decided he didn't want to have anything to do with that. 
And because of that, he found himself in the belly of the fish. He found himself there in the worst place he could possibly be. There's nothing else to do, I would imagine, in the belly of the fish but pray to God. He's not watching Netflix. He's not playing Pinochle. He's laying there in darkness going, well, it's either over or it ain't. It should have been over when I went in, but this fish swallowed me up. There must be something else going on. I mean, that's, that's kind of what his prayer says, right? He talks about, man, the seaweed was around my head. The waters engulfed me. I was in the watery depths. The, the doors were closing behind me, but God, but God snatched me up. But God took me in. I did everything I could do to make God mad, but He took me in. You ever been there? You ever, you ever walked that road and you did something that you just knew that no, that it was just too bad. It was just too bad. You just knew you had done too much. I've been there. My life fell apart. And I was mad at God. And I did everything in my power to make Him mad. Ever have a child like that? <laughs> you know, that child who, well, you told me not to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to take it one step further to make sure that you know I did it because you didn't want me to do it. I was that child of God. Everything I could do to make God mad. And I remember when He called me back, and that, that, that hit Him so clearly, spoke into my soul. I could hear it. I would have sworn it was audible when I heard the words, Come home, come home. I said, no, it's too bad, God. It's too bad. I've done too much. I've gone too far. But he's still saying, come home. He still said, you who are weary, come home. It doesn't matter if the situation you were in is your own doing. You can call upon God. There's hope. No matter where you are or what you've done or who you've been with, God is just a prayer away. So side note, all the parts of Jonah's prayer here have a basis in the Psalms. Why? Because Jonah knew the Psalms. That was their prayer book. That was their song book. You know, there are a lot of us in this room who can tell you what number Amazing Grace is in the hymnal. Because it's been that way, that way for years. Jonah knew the Psalms. He understood how they spoke and how they acted and reacted with his life. And so, when Jonah begins to pray we begin to see some things within Jonah's prayer. Some steps to return to God, if you will. I bet at that moment, Jonah really didn't want to pray. <laughs> Jonah wanted to go to Tarshish. Jonah wanted to be anywhere but go where God wanted him to go. And I bet he felt it when that whale turned around. And he, there he is thinking, man, I thought I was going to die. And I didn't. And he's just laying there. I bet he didn't want to pray. <laughs> you ever been in that situation where you just didn't want to pray? Where you knew you should? And you knew that that was the answer? But there was some pridefulness within you? That you didn't want to let go of? That's Jonah. He's laying there in the fish thinking, oh. I don't know how many days in it was before Jonah prayed. I've always wondered that. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him. Jonah, how, how long were you in the fish before you said, okay, God, 
enough. <laughs> How long were you there? I probably would have first day said, hey, God, okay. But Jonah, he might have me laid there for three whole days and said, okay, okay, God, I'm done. But we don't know. We just know that Jonah prays to God. And in his prayer, there are some steps to return to God. And the first step we have there is to call upon God. <laughs> That's verse 2. Call upon God. I called to the Lord in my distress and He answered me. Don't let your pride or your guilt or anything else keep you from calling out. I don't know how often in my life guilt has kept me from wanting to actually ask God to forgive me. Because it's hard. When you're a Christian and you do something you know you're not supposed to do, it's hard to want to go ask for forgiveness after that when you've knowingly done that. When you've knowingly stepped out. But to return to God, you've got to call on God. There's no other way back. You can't get there without calling on Him. You can't get to God before you know God without calling on Him. That's what the Bible tells us. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is saved. You have to call on God. To return, you have to call. And if you call, He'll answer. That's one of the promises we have here. If you call, He's going to answer. He's not going to say, well, you know. How many of you have a wife like mine? She never answers her phone. If, if I was in a contest and they said, make one phone call, and if they don't answer you in $5 million, I would call my wife. <laughs> because she never answers the phone. But God always does. Every time we call upon Him, He answers. Every time we do it. He, give, he, he picks up the phone. He doesn't leave us hanging. That's just, that's just how it is. All we have to do is call on Him. All I have to do is say, God, I need You. God, help me. God, pull me from this mess that I've made. God, put me where You want me to be. All we have to do is call upon God. That's the first step to returning to God. It's calling upon God. But the second thing we have to do is to recognize our failure in God's mercy. It doesn't do me any good to call upon God if I want to sit there and say, but God, I didn't do anything wrong. You ever have a child walk in and say, in this voice, I'm sorry. <laughs> They're not sorry. They're sorry they got caught. They're trying to find a loophole. And it doesn't work that way. It's the same thing with God. When we call upon God, we can't call upon God and say, God, just save me from this. And never say, God, you know, I was wrong. I didn't trust you. I didn't follow you. I didn't call upon you when I needed to. We have to recognize our failures. In verses 3 and through 6, he says that. You threw me in the depths and the heart of the seas and the current overcame me. Your breakers and bills swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight. And I will look once more towards the holy temple. When we have run from God, it is never God who moved. <laughs> there have been times in my life where I go, where are you, God? He's way over there. But he's not way over there because he moved. He's way over there because I moved. 
Because when the straight and narrow path that he wanted me to follow went this way, I saw the six-lane highway over here that was easier, and I took that way. And then I wonder when I get in the midst of that L.A. traffic with 26 lanes on each side why I'm stuck there in the middle of it. Because I didn't follow the way he told me to go. He didn't move, I moved. I didn't go the way he wanted me to go. We cannot return to relationship without recognizing why we are where we are. You just can't. You can't expect God to say, yep, it's good, without us recognizing what we've done. One of the dangers we have of the Christian culture of the past 40 years is we watered salvation down to a prayer, a formula. And so people would walk the aisle and they would say this prayer and think that the prayer saved them. The prayer didn't save them unless there was a change on the inside. Unless they actually believed and came to the point where they recognized their failure and recognized His mercy and recognized their need, unless they actually believed it, it was just words. I can tell my wife I love her, but if I never do anything for her, was she going to believe that I love her? No. I can tell my kids I love them, but if I never do anything for them, are they going to believe that I love them? Absolutely not. We have to put the work in. We have to do those things. We have to recognize that God was working even in our rebellion. It's one of my favorite parts of this. Jonah says, I was in the pit and you saved me. In the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of the things that Jonah was doing wrong, God was at work. God was doing things. God was orchestrating his overall plan to get him where he wanted him to be. He appointed a fish to swallow the man up. I wonder how inconvenienced that fish was. I mean, was he like the white rabbit in Alice in Wonderland? I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. I've got to get there. i got to be sure where I need to be. Because God appointed for him to be there. In the midst of Jonah not doing what he's supposed to do, God was working and orchestrating what needed to happen. And the same thing happens in your life. In the midst of your rebellion, God's still working. He's still doing things. He's still trying to get you back where you need to be. And in order to return to Him, we have to recognize our failure in God's mercy. We have to recognize that He's going to raise us from the pit. We have to do those things. But something else we have to do is we have to put our hope on things above. Jonah couldn't get any lower, yet his hope came from the ruler of heaven. He didn't do like Pinocchio and try to build a fire to smoke the well out. He didn't do those types of things. What did he do? He prayed to God. He said, I am in the pit. I am in the depths. I can't go any lower, yet I will look to heaven. And I will call upon the ruler of heaven. And he will hear my prayer. And he will send salvation. When our hope is in heaven, we can see salvation even in the midst of hell. Damn. I'm going to make a statement now that's going to ruffle some feathers, but that's okay. I would submit to you That the presence of God is in hell. 
That's what makes hell hell. He's right there. But you can never get to him. What makes heaven heaven isn't streets of gold. It's not big worship <laughs> services. What makes heaven heaven is the relationship. Psalms tell us what? I can, I can flee to the highest heights of heaven and you were there. I can run to the lowest depths of Sheol and there you are. What makes hell hell is that they can, they can see Jesus. They can see the Savior. The story that Jesus tells about Lazarus and the rich man comes to mind as he sits there and he can see across the chasm and he knows it's just right there. It's just right there. I just, I just, I just want a little taste. I mean, just let him dip his finger in the water and, and give it to him. We have to put our hope on things above. We have to know that that is the only way. When our hope is in heaven, we can see salvation no matter what we're going through. Even in the hardest moments of our life, if your hope is in heaven, these moments will pass away. That's amazing. But then, Jonah has cried out to God. He's recognized his failings. He's put his hope on things above. And then comes one of the greatest verses in all of Scripture. <clears throat> then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on the dry land. As if things could get any worse, he vomited him out. You know, when we flee from God, once we return, there's always going to be a mess to clean up. Can you imagine what Jonah looked like when he's sitting on the shore? He's been digesting in the belly of a fish for three days. I mean, slimy, nasty, gross. I have a child with my stomach. And so... I won't mention which one because I don't want to embarrass them too badly. But we often find ourselves screaming, run to the trash can! Because of the grossness that comes from what's going on there. And the word is vomited. Jonah was vomited on the dry land. I would take that to mean a beach with some sort of sand. The first thing he probably did was start cleaning up the mess. When we flee from God, when we return, there's always going to be a mess to clean up. There's always going to be some consequence. We're going to have to put things right again. There's, there's no way around it. We're just going to have to. You know, Jonah had been chewed up, worked over, and spit out. And it was still a gift of grace. We tend to think about grace in these nice packages with big shiny red bows, but a gift of grace here was chewed up, worked over, and spit out. That was a gift of grace. God didn't have to save it. 
God didn't have to appoint the whale. He could have left him to what he wanted to do. But God's grace was to take Jonah and use him. It was a gift of grace. And so often when God works in our lives through a gift of grace, what He is doing is something that we don't want. God, that's messy. I don't like that. I, I, don't, I don't want to have to do that. You know, Troy, if you really want for things to be right, you need to apologize to Him. I don't want to do that, God. That's messy. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's, going to be, it's going to be hard. Uh, no, please, please, God, there's got to be some other way. No, Troy, if you want it to be right, you got to do it. you got to make amends. If you ever worked with somebody who, in AA, that's one of their steps, correct? To make amends. Through all of their life. Can you imagine? Having to go back to everybody you've ever offended and make amends. My Hebrew professor and undergrad would always say, whenever God works with humanity, it always gets muddy or it always gets bloody. Grace is never the pretty bow we make it out to be. Grace comes from the cross. Maybe this morning, maybe you've been fighting God. Maybe you've been going through the motions, that's what you do, but you just, you know, you feel like God is somewhere over there and you're here and you don't understand. I guarantee you, if God is not where you think He's supposed to be, He didn't move. Maybe this morning you want to return to Him. Now's the time. Call upon Him. Recognize your weakness in His mercy. And set your mind on things above. Maybe this morning you have something else going on entirely. Maybe you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve the missions, ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've been living in the hostility that exists between a sinner and God. And you want to know Jesus this morning. You want to know that freedom. Now's the time. Just walk down through the trial and know Jesus and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings.